0: Hi What The CF listeners, thanks so much for joining me again for episode two, I'm Ingrid. I just wanted to start off by saying a big thank you to everyone that listened to episode one, diagnosis with myself and my husband Ian. Uh, It was a difficult episode to record so it was so amazing to hear some positive um, comments and feedback and messages that we've had from people. I really appreciate everyone that's got in touch with us. I also was pleasantly surprised to hear from some people who are outside the CF community but who have links to other chronic illnesses, either personally or within people in their family. And they really related to that podcast as well. So that was really great to hear. We really want to hear from you and hear what what you think of the content we're putting out and what information you would like us to speak more about and we can make episodes focused on what people really need so episode two of what the cf a cystic fibrosis podcast is with sue lovelock and she is from cystic fibrosis new zealand and she is a cfnz field worker So most of you um, would hopefully know who your field worker is or have met them already. If you've just got your diagnosis, then this is a great way of finding out more about what they do. Sue has been working for CFNZ as a field worker for 14 years. So she has some brilliant um, insight to give in this interview. I know that she's much loved and much appreciated in her role. So let's go over to Sue and have a listen to our chat. Hi and welcome to What the CF, a cystic fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid Grenar, and this week I'm joined by Sue Lovelock and she is the Southern Field Worker for Cystic Fibrosis New Zealand. Hi Sue. Hi. How are you doing?
1: Good, thanks for the invite.
0: We're pleased to have you. Um, so in this series of What the CF we're talking about diagnosis. Our son Awesome, was diagnosed almost a year ago, um, just in the middle of uh, pandemic and just a week out of lockdown um, so we have kind of come through that big learning curve that you get at the beginning of having this life-changing diagnosis. What we're doing is going through kind of all the touch points that people encounter when they first have that that initial diagnosis so could you tell us a little bit about um, CFNZ or Cystic Fibrosis New Zealand and what they do and, and a little intro about yourself.
1: Okay. Um, cystic Fibrosis has been, as an organisation, has been around for over fifty years now, and it was started as a, a group to support parents, and it's grown obviously to be quite a big organisation. Now there's about five hundred and sixty people in New Zealand with CF, um, and there's about eleven staff, some part time, some full time. Used to be one field worker, and now there's four. We'll go into those in a bit. Um, CFNZ has put a lot of work into a really good website now. We've got a website with some very good resources on it and information, and ad- we do advocacy for these treatments and medications and access to stuff that's coming up. Um, we have a standards of care that we have developed for New Zealanders, and that's on our website, and we also have a clinical advisory panel that we can which is professionals that we can ask for assistance or for advice for things going forward with our advocacy plans and treatment and to get equal care throughout the country. So there's 12 branches in New Zealand, of local branches, and they do the fundraising. They fundraise for the exercise grants that our people get. We can get $150 a year for the under sixes to do with exercise. And 300 a year for the over sixes. So that's swimming classes, jolly jumpers for the little ones, those little trampolines, the ones they hold on to, and anything that helps them move, balance bikes, any of that sort of stuff for the littleys. And then swimming lessons and gym stuff as they get older. And how do
0: they? How do people? um, How do people get that grant?
1: Either do it themselves on the website under the get help section, or often people just text or email the field workers the receipt and the bank account they want the money back into, and we just sort of do the paperwork from there for them. And we also have um, funding for um, needs-assessed welfare, and that's things like, you know, you have to stay home and it's cold in winter. It can be heating. It can be um, prescription costs. It can be nutritional costs. Anything to do with CF, we can look at how we can help. Um, And the branches fund equipment um, sometimes portable oxygen concentrators and portable nebulizers, from people go on holiday or other sort of things that the branches fund and national also fund different things, they fund hospital allowance, so if you're in hospital and it's more than 100 case from where you live, so you can't go home and get a sandwich or you know just buy a meal or something We it's a $20 a night which is not a lot but it'll help with your dinner costs or you know something when you're away um, and we have transplant funds and vouchers to help people we need it and funeral grants. And, um, yeah, we do some awards. There's awards for the best students and the sports and leadership and that children can apply for and adults can apply for as they go down their pathway. And we've got lots of Facebook pages. We've got the Cystic Fibrosis New Zealand one, which gives a lot of just general information. We've got some advocacy stuff. And we've got a friends and family close group, that's just for anybody to go on and there's some adults on it and they could give advice, any question you want to ask. And this is private within our little community. Yeah, the um, Facebook
0: and group is brilliant. Like That's been a really good help for us because, you know, you don't always want to be on the end of the phone to the CF nurses because, you know, they're really busy. And sometimes it's it's a sort of little niggling worry that you just want to voice to people that will understand why you're voicing it rather, because you can't necessarily say it to everybody because they won't know where you're coming from. And I found it really useful. I think it was just after the lockdown and I just, I I kind of, during lockdown, there was a nice safety to it, having the diagnosis and then all being locked in together and being kept safe from it or any viruses that were out there. And when everything started to open up again, I felt much more anxious and worried and and also everyone wanting to catch up and, and talk about it. Um, And I actually was struggling with that and put a post up on the CFNZ group and so many people came back who had had similar experiences during diagnosis time like in that first year or so of that kind of having had enough of having to tell people and even just receiving sympathy or not the right sympathy or the, the wrong words or whatever can just sort of tip you over a bit. So that was a really nice safe space to sort of vent to people that understand where you're coming from i found i think it's a great
1: resource absolutely and we have catch up sometimes in canterbury we have a preschool parents group and we just meet for dessert and coffee every couple of months and it's they find it really good you don't explain to people about the crayon about the you know just they everyone there just knows what you're about and that's kind of a little bit of what the facebook page does for Um,
0: I think we found some like telling people we didn't tell a lot of people face to face because then we were locked down but my husband told a couple of people close people and he said it was their faces their reaction because you're kind of trying to be strong and talk about it but then the shock and kind of devastation on other people's faces and there's that thing of people feeling sorry for you is not a nice feeling when you're trying to cope with so yeah it's definitely great to have that community um, so as a, a field worker, right, when would people, first of all, tell us a bit about what that role is and how you ended up in it.
1: Okay, so we're all social workers, and I've been there 14 years this year, and it was just, I needed a part-time job, and this came up, and I applied for it, and I was lucky enough to get it, even though I think I stuffed up the interview, but <laughs> um, So we've got Gretchen, who does Northland and Auckland. And then Shani does Waikato and Bay of Plenty and June does the rest of the North Island. So she's got Taranaki, Hawke's Bay, Central Districts and Wellington and I do the South Island.
0: Oh, wow. So it's big territories, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So I travel a wee bit. But um, So what happens is when you're diagnosed, usually at the sweet test stage, they ask you for your consent to contact us, to contact CFNZ and then they'll send us an email, hopefully. And we just give you a ring and go, welcome to this club that you never wanted to be part of, really. (laughs) And have you Googled and skied yourself silly? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) completely. And then we usually follow up with, um, well, I usually follow up with a little email listing all the the websites and the Facebook pages and just what's available, what we do, a little bit about what we do. And then follow up with a visit. And then I usually take someone from the branch along. And if there's someone that I think is in the area that they will get on with or relate to or have children a little bit older that they can use for support, I'll link them up. And then we just usually see them at children at clinics because when you're little, you used to go to, well, not your your babies little, <laughs> usually go to clinic more often than when they're older. So we see you a bit then, and yeah, just as needed really. And yeah, so we just we're just walking alongside you through this journey, mm-hmm. and no questions too silly, and how can we help, and that sort of thing. So I'm going to be speaking
0: to, hopefully speaking to Jan Tate to kind of go over those sort of clinic um, appointments and what happens Mm -hmm. and and that kind of thing. But yeah, having a sort of support person there is useful for just how overwhelming those initial first couple of appointments can be. And when I spoke, I spoke to Kelly from Genetics at Auckland Hospital. Um, She's a, a later episode in the podcast. And um, we were talking about just the triggering effect of going into the hospital because it's often where you've got the bad news in the first place. It's generally not a place you want to be. And then you have to go there regularly, even if everything's fine, just going into that environment. I definitely felt that a few times, but it's sort of settled more now when you get into the routine and, you know, the faces and the people and things. So you start to feel you've built up that trust there. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a roller coaster. And so what? So um that point they get in touch with you and then what sort of questions or discussions do you tend to get the most when you first meet families who've just got that diagnosis
1: um usually uh, uh, sometimes around a lot of fear they're Mm -hmm. scared because it's a it's a big thing and um you're getting connected to other people. Have had it, and I guess wanting a bit of reassurance that their child is not going to look any different, and they're still going to be smart and get their heart broken and have a normalish, a normal life. And um, often there's a there's also anxiety around keeping them away from every bug known to man and mold and water and puddles. And there's a real balance for parents between that and letting their letting their we treasure have a life. It's really. Mm-hmm. Um, wanting to keep them safe but letting them get out there and take risks and that's really frightening too so bit of support around because we're really encouraging parents to let their children be kids as well because yeah. when yeah they've got to have a life and meet other children and be social and it's really important
0: with um awesome was our second child so um i, I was talking about this in the Uh, previous episode when me and my husband were discussing our our journey to awesome being diagnosed and saying that you know the overwhelm of having a baby in the first place and like awesome wasn't diagnosed with a heel prick test he was diagnosed at six months old and i'm kind of thankful for that because i got like those six months to enjoy Mm. to enjoy the baby and he was second baby so you know no stress he was perfect baby same as his brother breastfed slept well so i got that whole bit and I think if you get that heel prick diagnosis, especially a first child, there's so much to take in. I would just imagine that it's, it's so much more overwhelming because you're also dealing with becoming a parent at the same time, yes. which is, which is a, the biggest thing that you'll do. And then you've got this other huge thing to deal with. And I'm, I'm connecting with some ladies that I've met on the Facebook group who've all had babies diagnosed in the last 12 months. So we're all going to kind of share and have a chat and share different experiences because everybody's journey is so different.
1: Yeah, I think one of my mums here is on that group. So, yeah, it's really enjoying it. Oh yeah, definitely. So
0: mm-hmm. when you said um, you have a, a coffee morning, do people meet each other then or?
1: Um, the parents do. Children aren't allowed to, of course. And that's, that's been a change like this generation because used to be at clinic across the waiting room from each other and you'd all chat and know each other and know your children and, Um, They used to go on camps together back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah, before they discovered the bad bugs. Um, But now you're not allowed. It's like you sort of have to be removed from each other, and that's quite isolating.
0: So it's nice to
1: meet the parents and be able to talk together and tell them. And and it's great sometimes to meet the parents of the older children or the adults because they tell you all the things they shouldn't have done and all the risks they took, (laughs) and they're fine. Yeah, (laughs) It's just so scary when you're in the face of it. It's right here for you, and... You're so scared of everything. And they tell you the things that make you hair cool, honestly. they <laughs> they all
0: survived it. But, yeah, that's the thing of um, sort of that isolation feeling because you're not meeting in person. And that was a question I actually had was, you know, if I meet another CF, a mum of another CFer, we can't be carrying anything that we could then give to our kids. Like, no, it's no, just no, not we not could meet. Well, that's good to know. Oh, That's good. Yeah, so the reason they CFers can't... It's sort of the the two meter rule, isn't it? Because of the yeah. they carry dangerous bugs that they can then transmit to each other.
1: Yeah, they could cough, and um, very rare, but you know, there's a chance that they could pick up something else.
0: Yeah, I think there was a film is it six feet apart or something. Um, when there's two kids in hospital, I haven't actually watched it um, because I saw the trailer of it and I was like, nah. <laughs> watching that but Um, but that that's a film and i don't know if it is cystic fibrosis that they have but it's something where they can't be
1: close to each other
0: yeah Yeah, and they sort of fall in love and they have to be in separate rooms i was like no i'm not watching that film but yeah but that's how i often explain it to people because people know the film so i can
1: say oh it's like that
0: what do you think is the best part of your job
1: oh just meeting these people and walking alongside them we go looking at flats we go job hunting we go just do so, it's so different. Every day is different. And it's celebrating. It's a lot of, we just are trying to focus a lot on the good times and celebrating and living your best life. And that's different for everybody. And it's not what we always think it should be for them. It's their own choices. We've got some people that just want to game, sit in their bedroom and game all their life away. And that's fine. And we've got other kids that want to go flatting and have girlfriends and risk take and ooh. Um, yeah everyone's different and as long as they're living their best life for them if we can help with that anywhere along the way and does
0: um, do, when people are having hospital visits do the field workers come to support families then or they can just call you if they need help Or
1: no um, we usually do I'm going up uh, tonight we usually do visits weekly to when people are in hospital um, obviously That's if they're cool. in the centre where we're not we can't but yeah if we're round we will
0: and um, what kind of is that? More just a mental support?
1: Yeah, just a bit of fun, police.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know, if you let's go out for a coffee, we'll go to the cafe because you can come with Orson can come too because you know you're the only one there and um, yeah, and just to chat. And if you want to go out and have a sanity walk, we can. If they know, you know, if they know us well enough, we can entertain them while you're away or just take when they're older and we've got parents' permission. I, I'll take them out for a walk around the. Hospital grounds around the park. Oh, that's nice. And the adults we go out for an ice cream or a coffee or go out for lunch sometimes. Just get out of the four walls. So, do
0: you carry on? You you carry on supporting people into adulthood then?
1: Yeah, we yeah, that, and that's another really good thing is when they leave the paediatric team and they go to the adult clinic, we're we're still there. They don't get rid of us in a hurry. Yeah, yeah so but... it's kind of nice to have someone familiar when you've got this whole new system to be dealing with, and we can explain things they may not get or yeah.
0: I think there's a really good resource that I remember on the CFNZ website that was a like a guide for parents when you've just got the diagnosis and I think I sent that to some people when they were asking questions, but i can't remember I don't know if it's just a parent 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 yeah, there's guide.
1: a parents one and there's a one you can give out to other people and we've got guys for school when he starts preschool or primary school, and um, there's ones about travel and work and family planning and mental health care and treatments and care. They've worked really hard getting some good resources on the website and they consulted with the people as they were going. Oh, that's looked, something I'd be interested
0: uh, to ask you about. So when you're looking for childcare, uh, so that preschool, daycare type situation, what, what's the support process in that? Because obviously you've got certain things that you'd be concerned about around germs and bugs and like you said you know they should still get some bugs because they need to build up an immune system but obviously there's certain ones you don't want them to get what's the advice around going into childcare centers and that kind of thing
1: okay um i've been to visit childcare centers often the nurse will to see if nurse will go um it's no if there's compost they keep away from compost that's the main thing and if they do gardening they have a wee mask and gloves if you want to do gardening and if there's a Fish bowl as long as it's not aerated, like there's bubbles with potentially bacteria coming out, that's fine. And if it is bubbly, just put a glass lid on it. So that's you know people stress out about water and the goldfish and things, but as long as the water's not going into the air, it's fine. Um, and there, and just yeah, just in sand pits we usually just make sure that they're drain, that they're draining, they're not sitting in as we said that pool of stuff, and that's. Yeah, sometimes drinking fountains, we just make sure they're not green and and we always encourage the um the kids to have a little um clipper of gel on their little backpack and their own water bottle. That's it.
0: So that's the um you know, the, the positive to having had this pandemic was that we sort of had a crash course in the life that people with CF or similar immune yeah. compromised diseases have to live anyway um so me and my husband sort of discussed how that's been quite a good thing because at least people now understand if they come around we're like oh can you wash your hands or you know don't wear shoes in the house and all that kind of stuff you know you know it's not questioned or and people don't mind i hand sanitize people when they come in (laughs) so now that's just normal practice anyway and like the daycare centers are so good with that and i hand sanitize the kids hands before they go in there and that kind of thing so hopefully everyone's got better hygiene than we did have um and we hope that People continue some of those good behaviours, but
1: and his kids get six colds a year, six to eight colds a year, and he won't be any different.
0: Yeah, he's he's probably on that now. He's got he's currently got antibiotics at the moment because he got cough again. Um, so we also have a a thing called a What the CF moment that we talk about on the podcast, which is I started on our Instagram just sort of um as I was learning new things about CF, sort of posting those What the CF moments. So it could be good or bad or, you know, something that's really shocked you or just something that you've that recently encountered um, with CF or it could be something from your early memories of when you first started working with people with CF. Do you have a, a what the CF moment that springs to mind?
1: I've just got so many memories of good times and all the people I've met and some that aren't here anymore And a common phrase as they get older is, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I would have looked after myself better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and just so many lovely, special people and and so many families that are so welcoming and kind. And, yeah, it's just awesome. A a lovely job. and, And there are tears. Trust me, there is heartbreak and tears. But there's so much joy and celebration and living well and, yeah.
0: Um. What was so? What sort of main changes have you seen in the last fourteen years, other than the clinic thing? Is it is it the actual the drug treatments are better or?
1: Yeah. Um, Pulmazyme was the big drug drug during my time, and that's one that thins out the mucus, and that was super expensive, and we had to wait for it to come off patent. And now anyone, anyone over, I'm not sure what the age group now, but anyone can get it, and that's been helpful for not not everybody but helpful for lots of people and there's more and more medications that are coming on and, yeah, and then now these um, ones that suit specific genes that hopefully will, they still got a lot of side effects so I think there's still some working through to do. Mm. And they're getting better at transplants now. People are lasting hopefully longer after transplants and they just know more about nutrition now. Like since I've started, then. More the high fat than the high sugar, and and because they used to put them on low carb diets and you know things that were quite wrong back in the day. Mm. And they know more more genes and more about the genetics, and it's just they're learning every day. And we like we even do some research here. Um, yeah. So it's they're just learning more and more, and hopefully they'll find really good treatments. Yeah,
0: it soon. I mean, it does look um, positive from, um you know, from the surface of information that I have, but I don't fully understand with the different drugs who they're relevant for and when they would be prescribed. And, and also because they're so new, you don't know what the long-term outlook is, like you said. Yeah. You, you don't yeah. know with the side effects, they can affect other parts of the body that could cause, you know. So, But, I mean, what the results that they see in the Trikafta that's been um sort of highlighted in the media, for the people that were taking it, They really didn't have anything to lose by trying the the Mm. drugs and getting the results they've had have just been amazing. So even just seeing that is something that's like uh, that people new to the CF community can be sort of more hopeful about that there is this science happening. Um, And COVID again has proved that when science knuckles down, we can achieve great things.
1: (laughs) Hopefully. Yes.
0: (laughs) Fingers crossed. Well, Sue, it's been lovely to talk to you. If you had any um, messages to say to uh, so anyone who, they may have met their field worker or they may not have yet and they've just got a diagnosis, what would be the one little nugget of advice you could give someone who's just received a CF diagnosis in their family?
1: Try not to Google too much and try and treat your your little treasure as normal as possible. Otherwise, you'll end up an anxious mess and stress to the max and trying to bleach your house every five minutes and it'll just be it'll be huge and you won't enjoy your your baby you'll be too stressed
0: yeah good. just
1: love them they're just gorgeous
0: they are and that's good advice um although i i do like a good bleaching of the house <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat the uh, the post bleached floor can you it's nice thank you so much to Lovelock southern field worker for Cystic Fibrosis New Zealand for joining us on What the CF, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast. Thanks so much to Lovelock and Cystic Fibrosis New Zealand. If you want to have a look at any of the documents and um, links that Sue was talking about during that chat, you go to cfnz.org.nz. That's cfnz.org.nz and have a look at the resources on there. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, uh, go to wtcfpod at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at whatthecfpod and you can find us on Facebook at whatthecf a cystic fibrosis podcast. Thanks again for joining us on whatthecf a cystic fibrosis podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode.